0: Yeah, um, I'm here again. Can you hear me? Are you back? Yeah, I'm back. Sorry. <laughs> no, so you're you're I, Mark Ritter. You're, uh, I, I thought we I lost you. Yeah, yeah, I disappear at crucial moments, just like Mark <laughs> It's Friday, April the 16th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Derrick, Dutch News contributing editor and wannabe monster movie maker, and with me today is Paul Peters, master's student in civil engineering and Manhattan, Polder King.
1: Well, I know what my thing is about. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what you are a, a, a wannabe monster movie maker. I'm very curious what that's about.
0: This is just because I, I keep coming back to this whenever we watch the press conferences about the coronavirus strategy, particularly about the whole Field Labs event. So, to me, it seems to be um, uh, 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 the equivalent of um, uh, setting up Jurassic Park. And I keep circling ah. I back to this uh, with Jurassic Park analogies. It's like, because movie makers are obsessed with this idea of like bringing back dinosaurs and being great and these spectacular theme parks. If you speak to actual scientists, they say that bringing back dinosaurs is a terrible idea because dinosaurs and an urbanized society is just a recipe for disaster, right? Yes. In Jurassic Park, sure enough, at the beginning of Jurassic Park, everything's nice and sweet. You've got these nice, these sort of small herbivores running around and it all looks really cute and exciting. And of course, then it all goes wrong. And so the field lab events, to me, has the same feel about it. Right? Like they have a couple of small experimental events and they say it's okay because only sort of six people got infected, so it's not a problem. So we're going to scale uh-huh. it up. And you know what's going to happen when they scale it up and it just seems like you know Jurassic Park is the blueprint for, for the field labs experiment. That you know,
1: yeah. Someone should send a copy to Hugo de Jonge, indeed, of this yeah. movie. I think he 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 missed this essential part of his childhood. Uh, never watching this movie because it's it just seems like a very bad idea yeah, yeah. what you say uh, if we had these test field labs you know these these uh, events that were sort of organized uh, 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 with the idea to have it uh, corona free and to have uh, you know everyone attending should have uh, should bring a, a negative test and afterwards everyone should test again mm-hmm. uh, and six uh, infections doesn't seem like much but if you're going to expand it and having these field labs uh, all over the country then uh, we don't have six and more infections but we will end up with 60 or 600 of these infections and next thing you know um, the ICUs are full again.
0: I know yeah and if you factor in exponential growth and I can't quite believe that people uh, have still got their head, their head around the concept of exponential growth then hmm. you know what's gonna happen in a couple of months uh, you're gonna have hundreds thousands of infections. Indeed, um, yeah. So it seems like an absolutely crazy scheme. Uh, and yet, but it's, it's kind of the earnestness with which they uh, they can produce all this scientific evidence to say, no, no, we, we've monitored the um, infections. And yet, when you actually unpick it, as, as we'll get into, actually, uh, in the coronavirus story, and the, the tests that you use are fast tests that are not especially reliable. And, of course, children under 12 do not have to be tested. Um, yeah. And, yeah, you say, like, uh, as you say, if you have six infections at every event, well, if you have five, half a dozen events, that might be okay, but if you suddenly have uh, like, like 200 events, which I think is what we're on for, and multiply that by six, and then c- consider that uh, those people are going to pass the infection on to others, um, it's uh, yeah, it's, it, it doesn't seem, it doesn't like, seem a like a very good, good uh, responsible way to uh, behave. So yeah, so, so, <laughs> yeah it, it, it just has that whole kind of Jurassic Park feel to me. Like you can see, it's a cautionary tale, you can see exactly how there are so many precedents for how this is going to pan out, and they seem to be blithely ignoring them, and it's really worrying yeah indeed yeah. Um, and yeah but, but uh, on a more kind of a happier or more constructive social media note uh, you were sharing these fascinating maps um, this week of uh, Manhattan which started with a tweet from our old friend Ben Coates um, who, was, uh, 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 who was looking at uh, a map of Manhattan from I think 1665 um, and then you kind of superimposed it on a modern map and uh, that, was, that was really interesting
1: yeah, indeed. Um, uh, Benko shared a uh, a map of New Amsterdam in the year 6060, as uh, New York was called uh, back then. Uh, New York was founded by the Dutch. Um, and um, if you take this map and you, you know, superimpose it on a satellite image of, of uh, modern day Manhattan, then you see that uh, the entire street layout of New Amsterdam um, still exists. Um, All the streets uh, still run the same. And uh, that's just always fascinating to see. For example, Wall Street was named after the city wall that was uh, was there, that was the edge of, of New Amsterdam. But when you superimpose it on this satellite image, then you also see, you will notice that the coastline the shore of the of the rivers um are at a completely different location uh, than they were in uh, in sixty sixty and uh, that is because over the centuries, um um uh, New York have uh, has expanded the island of Manhattan. Uh, I think they uh, uh, the width of the island at the southern tip of Manhattan is now twice as large as it as it used to be. Mm. Uh, so you asked, uh, did they pull their Manhattan, and that's <laughs> indeed what they did. But yeah. uh, the Dutch didn't do this. Uh, uh, the English took over in, uh, I think it was around sixty, eighty, or something, and they uh, they expanded Manhattan uh, over the centuries. But I'm sure the the, the Dutch DNA that's still uh, uh, in the city uh, contributed to this. I'm yeah. sure.
0: And as you say, it was uh, it was taken over by the uh, by the English and then expanded uh, thereafter. And uh, as, as uh, a lot of people said that this was basically that the, the poldering was. Uh, the result of um, people chucking trash in the river and they pile up so much that it became no, the foundations of a new
1: city. that's not true. I no. couldn't
0: <laughs> quite believe that. I thought, you know, <laughs> as, 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 as lovely an analogy it is, uh, is the idea that uh, New York is built on shit i can't really see that uh, that that would actually work in practice no no yeah. no 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 it's not
1: uh it's not uh, it's not trash it's yeah. not uh, and an not like that it's just uh sand and soil that, yeah it's uh, like an urban
0: myth yeah we're really fascinating we'll link to that in the line notes and you can see how yeah, no, 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 it's, it's, it's lovely that original um uh, image all started out with the original map because it looks so dutch you know there's a canal in fact there's two canals yeah. that they've dug into the island of manhattan for the drainage and the, the, just the whole street layout and the buildings look very, very Dutch. You can still see that imprint in the modern-day city.
1: And what I also love about uh, the satellite image, I, I took it from from Google Maps, which has this uh, 3D uh, function, of course. And if you... Um, uh, uh, wall street was the very edge of the city and uh, the the north side of wall street is now of course built with with these enormous skyscrapers and if you superimpose it it just looks lo- as if these uh, skyscrapers are built at the edge of the uh, uh uh at the edge of the of the of the old city map and uh, that effect just uh, is really nice i thought
0: yeah like, like they've become the fortifications so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's exactly. it interesting just to see it was it was a fortified city. It's like they had this yeah. uh, big long wall, and on the other side there was farmland. So it was, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. So, Very interesting indeed.
0: Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So, um, t- t- speaking of um, elaborate Dutch designs, uh, uh, the <laughs> opfer of the week uh, this week uh, relates to King's Day. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, indeed, another orange uh, <laughs> orange uh, festivity. Another
0: orange institution. Yeah,
1: yeah indeed. <laughs> uh, yeah, as you said, the Dutch national holiday is coming up, uh, and that always leads to Ophef every year. And uh, part of the King's Day tradition, uh, which is celebrated on King Willem-Alexander's birthday on April 27th, are the King's Games. That's a national sports day for all 1.2 million primary school children. Uh, every year, a special song and dance are made, and it is this year's particular song that has caused... The the OPF a group of christian parents and sgp uh, and christian uni local politicians have raised concerns about a particular line in the song which says i am here you are there we do the jiggy jig together apparently jiggy jig is an indonesian slang for intercourse uh, and another problematic line is look how great in the mix he or she or x which represents uh, gender neutrality um, The producers of the song, uh, the public broadcaster BNN Vara, said in a statement they weren't aware of the meaning of jiggy-jig. The spokesman said it was a word made up by the writers of the song. Uh, And it wasn't the first time there was uphef about a song on King's Day. Uh, I... uh Uh, I would like to uh, remind you of the Koningslied, uh, which was composed on the occasion of Willem-Alexander's inauguration as king in 2013. Um, It was performed by an innumerable amount of Dutch celebrities, uh, and it probably caused the biggest upheath of the 2010s. The music was horrible, the singers were terrible, the lyrics didn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, There was uh, basically for everyone something to complain about. And um, how I miss the old days that this was the thing we could worry about the most. <laughs> yeah,
0: innocent times. And that was the worst yeah. thing about uh, yeah, Dutch celebrations. So, One yeah. of the
1: lyrics of, of the Koningslied was, um, th- 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 there was also this uh, dreadful uh, rap intermezzo, right? Which, uh, <laughs> right. which uh, for some reason uh, uh, they fu- they found necessary to put in. Yeah. And they rapped about the letter W, which stands for Willem-Alexander, even though he has two names. So actually they should have used two of his initials. W-A, uh, yeah. W A. And uh, they rapped about the the letter W. For example, it stands for wakker worden, stampot eten, which means wake up and eat. Yeah, stampot. How how would you translate stampot? Uh, mashed potatoes you with... Uh... Yeah, you,
0: yeah, no, <laughs> yeah pip, uh, uh, bangers and mash. It's not quite the same. Yeah. But no, yeah.
1: no, but it's similar.
0: <laughs> it's yeah. a similar concept, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. A, it's a very basic meal with potatoes. Yeah, but it's, it's all very strange. I mean, does that mean that uh, people have, uh, are supposed to have stump pot for breakfast on King's Day? Yeah. Is this a new thing? That's I didn't d- know about that. Or mm. uh, or is it that you wake up so late that it's already time to cook, cook <laughs> your dinner? I don't know.
1: Uh, it it seems to imply uh, both things, yeah, and both of the, <laughs> th- both of these things d- do not make any sense. No, don't exist it,
0: and should not exist, really.
1: No, indeed. Yeah. Um, but I, I listened to the song, the uh, Jiggy Jig song, and it's uh, I, I thought it was actually a pretty nice song. It was yeah. uh, pretty well done. Um, uh, and uh, the idea is that these children, the primary school children learn the dance and then perform it together at the start of the sports uh, day. Um, and I didn't find anything wrong with it. I, th- I actually thought it was quite a catchy song. Uh, I will link to uh, yeah. both these songs uh, in the liner notes so you can uh, check them out if you want to. Yeah. But, but skip the Koningslied. Skip the Koningslied. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah, so don't bother with that. You don't, you, you don't need to subject yourself to that. Yeah, j- no. j- Jiggy Jig, it kind of sounds like that line the Spice Girls song, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Ziggy Zigga. Yeah.
1: Yeah, which, that, um, I don't know,
0: which is also controversial in its way.
1: Yeah, and Melanie C finally revealed the true meaning of this uh, word uh, this week, I thought. Which was? Um, intercourse, of course. Yeah, well, I,
0: th- I, th- I thought that from the start. I thought that was obvious. I mean, I, yes. don't, know why that ne- I don't know why it took t- t- 20 years for the pennies to drop there.
1: <laughs> yeah, that wasn't, <laughs> a, that wasn't a secret.
0: Yeah, like, I really, really, really wanted Ziggy Ziggy. Ah, what did you think that was about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This week, the coalition talks took a back seat as the government tried to fill seats in football stadiums and concert venues, and a D66 MP vacated his seat over a Twitter scandal. Meanwhile, police are trying to catch thieves who made off with a batch of valuable Pokemon cards.
1: Which should be our top story, the Pokemon cards. It should really be the
0: top story, yeah. yeah, but unfortunately it isn't. We had other uh, slightly more serious things like the MH17 trial. The government unveiled its latest roadmap out of the coronavirus pandemic this week. Despite the protestations of cafe owners and the big city mayors, the lockdown rules won't be relaxed until April the 28th at the earliest, and that means the curfew, the one visitor per day limit and shops opening by appointment only will all stay in place. Bars, restaurants and cafes won't be able to serve customers outside either, as they'd hoped. The cabinet had hoped to be able to ease restrictions next week, but healthcare professionals said the hospitals are simply too full. The latest figures showed infections increased by 6% in the week after Easter, and there are nearly 800 patients in intensive care. That's the highest level for almost a year, and represents nearly two-thirds of the available IC beds, and the high levels of sickness absence by frontline healthcare professionals who are just plain exhausted from uh, caring for corona patients around the clock for a year is narrowing the margins further. Nearly seven percent of staff are off sick at the end of March, up from six percent in December.
1: Yeah, insane, isn't it? That two-thirds of the IC uh, intensive care units are full now, and uh, the, the the sense of urgency is still nowhere to be seen, both yeah. in the country and by the people in charge. I think.
0: I know it's it's just weird that uh, amid all this, there's such a contrast now between the picture that you get if you speak to someone in healthcare who says the hospital's absolutely full to the brim, and we're you know we're pulling out all the stops to try and uh look after the patients and of course other also regular healthcare is being postponed now heart surgery cancer surgery yeah. really serious things that people are also going to die of and yet yeah. if, if you speak to, and then politicians say oh yeah but you know people are a bit tired of the lockdown and they really really want to go and have a cafe uh and they really really want to go and have a meal in a cafe it's it's just startling
1: yeah indeed um but is there any news on the vaccines?
0: Yeah, the news on the vaccines is mixed. Um, one detail that came out at the press conference was Hugo de Jonger, who said that 3.9 million vaccine doses have been given. And that was a bit of a surprise to everyone, because uh, yeah. the coronavirus dashboard had been stuck at 3.2 million for about three days.
1: Yeah, and also all these, all these people who are visiting these uh, vaccine locations and people who are volunteering there are complaining that they have nothing to do and no one is showing up. So, yeah,
0: and the people on the vaccine hotlines are saying the phones aren't ringing. You know, we yeah. want to put people in, but they, yeah, people are not calling for the appointments. So, yeah, yeah, so
1: where these, uh, well, now currently the uh, the number is uh, 4.1 million. So where on earth these 900,000 uh, uh, vaccines are coming from,
0: I I don't know. Yeah, it's a million dollar question. But it turns out the uh, the, the, the health ministry and the RVM had been doing a bit of number crunching and basically just uh, reconfigured the, the way they calculate the numbers because it's not an exact record of how many vaccines have actually been given. In some cases, it is. So they go and get vaccinated at your local health board at a KK Day facility, then they keep a record of exactly exactly how many vaccines they've given, and they give that, pass that information on to the health ministry. But in other situations, like if you get it from your uh, house arts, from your family doctor, uh, well, there the, 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 they don't keep exact records, so what, um, and the patients have a right to privacy. So if the patient says, I don't want this yeah. information shared uh, from my medical dossier, then uh, that is an absolute right. Um, so what they do there is that they work out there on the basis of how many vaccine doses the house arts have received and ordered um, uh, how many they're actually given. And then they sort of calculate in other things like how many vaccines have been, wa- have been wasted, uh, what they call the spillage. And w- hmm. one big recalculation they did was they, they'd previously worked on the basis about 5% of vaccines were wasted, and now they decided that only 1% are wasted, and that allowed them to ah. add 400,000 to the total. Aha, uh-huh. so, okay. Yeah, yeah, but it's all very sort of strange and murky, and it's just weird that they don't have... I mean, I don't see why they can't keep a set of records, uh, anonymized records, separate from the patient records, that say... Exactly, how many for how many vaccines have been given.
1: Yeah, it seems uh, seems like the strangest thing, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's something. I mean, it's the second time they have uh, 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 changed their calculation strategy, right? Yeah, so, and both times, I yeah. think it's
0: a, the, the, what I'm concerned about is that the pressure has really come from um, from the ministry, from poli- from politicians. But the yeah. younger is upset that uh, the, the Netherlands seems to be lagging behind other European countries, and he's getting lots of flack for it. So they find a way to recalculate the numbers um, in, yeah, in the health a, ministry's favour.
1: That's the worst case uh, scenario indeed.
0: And also there's, uh, there's been another setback with the Janssen vaccine. Uh, oh. This is the one-shot vaccine being produced in Leiden. It was approved by the European Medicines Agency nearly a month ago, and the first batch of ninety thousand shots uh, has been delivered. But it's all been put on hold because Johnson and Johnson, which is Johnson's parent company, they have um, uh, looking into uh, reports of a number of cases of thrombosis among young women in the U.S. Uh, so yeah. they've basically they've paused all the delivery until they just uh, they can evaluate these um, uh, these reports of blood clots. A total of 3 million Janssen doses have been ordered by the Dutch Health Ministry up until June, Uh, so it would be a a, a serious setback if they weren't able to use them. And of course, last week, the Health Ministry decided to stop using AstraZeneca on under-60s, again, because of this uh, marginal risk of developing blood clots.
1: Yeah, which all seem to be a very marginal risk indeed. Um, Also, whenever there is good news about... Uh, the vaccine, we call it the Janssen vaccine, yeah. we use the Dutch name, but whenever there's bad news we we, we, we should use the, the, the American company yeah, name so,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. exactly, it, it, yeah. It's, it, it, it works on the Andy Murray principle, you No. Know, Andy Murray is a Scottish tennis player when he loses and a British tennis player when he wins, it's the same thing Young, Yeah. when they're doing well they're called Janssen when they're doing badly they're called Johnson & Johnson
1: yeah exactly <laughs> um, but do we have an exit strategy or not?
0: Ah, well, yeah. You might think with (laughs) infections rising and hospital beds filling up that uh, the priority should be uh, fully on the vaccinations and it's not really the time to be talking about holidays and opening up uh, payment cafes. But the government is under so much pressure now to offer people uh, perspective. Um, So, yeah, you can offer people perspective by promising they'll get their vaccine shots earlier or you can sort of post a vague timetable of empty promises that (laughs) no one really expects them to stick to. Guess what they did?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I, I hope the first,
0: <laughs> you hope the first, yeah, but yeah. Uh, um, I'm afraid I'm going to have to disappoint you. It was uh, it, it was yet another roadmap, you know. It's kind yeah. of the, 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 they're producing uh, roadmaps that the, uh, they can produce vaccines as as, as, uh, as proficiently as they as they produce uh, roadmaps, and <laughs> we'd all be immunized by now.
1: <laughs> i lo- i lost comp- i lost count of all the roadmaps that we have seen coming from the health industry um but this one seemed to be uh very complicated yeah um, and
0: very vague as well because uh, and
1: very vague yeah um yeah it it all it all has these dates and uh uh and then um you know the measures or the relaxations that hopefully uh, can come into effect at these dates but uh yeah we we all know that this is probably not a re- realistic roadmap uh, at all well yeah um,
0: and it was kind of weird I mean, Rutter said uh, continuously throughout the press conference uh, it would be that, that it was a bad idea to put dates on the map because things can <laughs> change, the infection level can change and then what do we see when we actually look yeah. at the, ma- the roadmap? Uh, a, a series of dates. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. You know. um, we uh, just so-
1: have to keep in mind that we're probably not going to uh, reach these dates uh, and that uh, uh, we're going to see delays and that just basically... Uh, uh, then you lose the point of having a roadmap if it's yeah. not uh, if it's uh, highly likely that uh, th- that we're going to have delays anyway. So yeah, yeah, it's it's, uh,
0: it's like a sort of uh, f- um, variable roadmap. It's, it's it's like the maps yeah. in um, in Harry Potter. You know, we can see things moving <laughs> around on the on the, <laughs> uh, on the page the whole time. Yeah, that's right. It's it's, it's, yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's like
1: the, the staircases at Hogwarts. Exactly. That, that, yeah. that move. You, uh, you think
0: you think they're leading one way, and then suddenly, as you're walking up them, they change direction. They lead to a completely different uh, section of the building exactly i think going, we just found basically. the
1: perfect metaphor of, <laughs> of 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 our exit strategy indeed
0: yeah. i think it's even better than jurassic park yeah jurassic, yeah. Park, <laughs> jurassic park at hogwarts that's the yeah that's the yeah. way it's going
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's the health ministry uh, in yeah. one sentence yeah but but at, at least when you go up in hogwarts you know that you're going up uh, yeah but 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 with we, our you just don't health know which ministry. dormitory
0: you're going to end up in
1: no, but at, at our, our Arm Health Ministry, we think we're going up, but actually we're going down.
0: Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And uh, Dionga has said that uh, the, 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 the program uh, might move uh, faster if things go well, but it also might move slower. <laughs> or it might move yeah. at the planned speed. So he's covered yeah. all bases there. He, he's yeah, Donald indeed. Donald Rumsfeld, yeah. <laughs> when Rumsfeld said that Osama bin Laden could be alive in another country or dead.
1: <laughs> Wasn't it John, Donald Rumsfeld who also spoke about unknown unknowns? He did,
0: yes. Yeah, yeah. which also did. seems like... Uh, indeed, Yet yeah, the, uh, the, the coronavirus uh, strategy is uh, is full of unknown unknowns. Indeed. Unknown unknowns. But the plan now is to lift the curfew possibly on April the 28th. Uh, at which it point should have April? lasted for two weeks. It was uh, supposed to be two weeks, yes. Yeah. And the Ritter said it would be the first measure to be scrapped. Hmm. As well, so he's, yeah. uh, he's, he then what he did was he redefined what counts as a measure in order to yeah. to to to, 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 uh, to justify the the fact that he changed his mind. Um, yeah, at that point, April twenty eighth, uh, they're also uh, hoping to reopen cafe terraces and allow two visitors at home rather than one. Uh, step two, which has a provisional date of May the eleventh, would allow museums, cinemas, and theaters to reopen on a limited basis, and outdoor sports to resume. And then there's three further stages, provisionally at three-week intervals, which would allow everything to open up gradually until July the 1st. Also, compulsory quarantining is coming in from May the 15th to to just 14 months after the lockdown began. No time like the present, eh? Uh, So that restrictions on traveling can finally be lifted.
1: It just seems like... They are uh, the the press conference was on uh, Tuesday, wasn't it? And yeah. all of the sudden, the on the lectures of the um, uh, of the uh, of of, of and Hugo de Jonge, they had these these uh, signs with uh, three little pictograms of what you should you know the basic rules: uh, yeah. wash your hands, get yourself tested, and uh, what was the other thing? Uh, Stay it, at home.
0: Keep a distance, wasn't it? Keep distance. Yeah, yeah keep that distance. was it. Yeah. Um, uh, uh,
1: uh, this was a great idea uh one year ago when these basic rules were installed and now uh i just can't understand why uh after all this time or someone someone thinks oh let's let's uh let's do this this very obvious thing to do uh i mean even boris johnson did this uh (laughs) eight months ago
0: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. The UK had a couple of false starts with that. with some unclear slogans, and then came up with the hands, face, space uh, thing, which is quite nice. But uh, yeah, the, yeah, the fact that no they just started doing it says so much about the way the Dutch government has handled this. I think. Yeah, and there's, there's still, there's still, and there's still nothing about masks, nothing about uh, yes, staying home, and um, you know, if, you, if you're tested or if you're waiting for a test, and and the Stay coronavirus app as well. as well. I mean, what's happened to that? That just seems to. Have, um, uh, I mean, I've still got it, but no, ne- they never mention it. They never say. They never mention yeah, it,
1: indeed. They well they
0: poured a huge amount of uh, time and effort and money into doing this app, yeah, and now they just seem to have neglected it.
1: Didn't uh, one of the ministers got a got a got a notification from his app that um, he or she was uh, uh, wasn't had been in close contact with someone with corona? I think it was Mona Keisha and then she got herself tested, and it turned out she was positive, and that set the the entire Kenners Gate in, in, in action. So. Yeah, it, has, it 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 has some uses. This uh, this app, just not as uh, anticipated. It I does. Think, but It's just strange that they uh,
0: they're having uh, invested so much in it. They don't really bother to promote it anymore. Uh, so
1: uh, field labs. There is a lot of talk about field labs. Field labs. What's, yeah, uh, just
0: rolling up. pef About the field labs. Uh, yeah. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> the, the whole Jurassic Park plan. Uh, we're, we're at the kind of raptors of about to learn to open the doors stage. I think of this. But yeah. for anyone who's been quarantining from the news this week, these are the experimental events where up to 10,000 people will be allowed to attend a football match, a conference, or a music festival, or on a smaller scale go to a museum or go to a cinema. And of course, 189 people have flown away this week on a corona-safe package holiday to Greece. And next month's Eurovision Song Contest is on the agenda too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, all these mass events. Everyone attending has to take two coronavirus tests beforehand and produce a negative result before they go in. Uh, that uh, one of the holiday makers, uh, 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 you know all the, one of the prospective holiday makers tested positive at the airport and was turned away, which must hmm. have been agonising. And uh, yeah. re- they were replaced by somebody from the reserve list. it um, oh, was a
1: reserve list. <laughs> yes, yeah, so a reserve list as well. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know how
0: that works. I don't know whether that person was in the airport as well or whether they just called yeah. them up and delayed the flight i don't know yeah,
1: yeah it's always yeah, strange
0: yeah. this whole holiday where where you fly off to greece um you, these people have it's an eight-day trip people have paid 400 euros which seems like a pretty really decent price yeah. but then they got the whole resort to themselves they can't leave they have to just stay in the hotel or in the you know, on the campus can't even go to the nearby beach um and you're being constantly tested and monitored it's like playing um <laughs> yeah it's like basically being in escape room game but with the uh, yeah. except that you can't actually escape
1: <laughs> Indeed, yeah. For some people, this is their notion of a holiday is doing exactly this. So yeah, yeah for for I guess uh, a lot of people, this is uh, this is just ideal.
0: Yeah, it was hugely oversubscribed, doesn't it? Like how, how many people? About twenty five thousand people or something signed um, really? really up for it. It was something like wow. that yeah. to be one of the one hundred and eighty nine lucky souls in road this week.
1: Hmm, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, rather them than uh, than me, to Indeed. be honest. <laughs>
0: yeah. Anyway, the outbreak management team—they've been very critical of the field labs. Uh, they're worried uh, the government's taking too many risks, uh, especially given uh, the level of infections they're at at the moment, and that the events could trigger further outbreaks. They've also queried the scale of the experiment because it's around uh, two hundred and thirty-three thousand people taking part in hundreds of events around the country in May. And they said, "Look, you really only need about ten events to get a clear picture of." what effect uh, um, putting all these people in um, uh, enclosed spaces actually has. And they also said the fast tests they used to allow entry weren't reliable enough. Uh, basically, you have a rapid test, which normally, if you, if you take a rapid test and it uh, gives you um, a, uh, a positive result, then you have, usually you have to go and double-check with a PCR test. Um, but, if, uh, but a negative test, um, yeah, van Zistel said this week, doesn't necessarily mean that you're actually negative. It could still, yeah. it could still be a false negative. And of course, if you have 10,000 people in an event and, you know, say 20 of them are infected and get a false result, uh, then guess what's going to happen? Just calculate the odds and you will see that this is probably not a good idea. And of course, children under 12 don't have to be tested at all, even though we know from the data that's coming out of the schools and the fact that we are testing children under 12 more, that an awful lot of young children are actually infected, but asymptomatic. And one of the problems with coronavirus we've had right from the start is that asymptomatic spreading... Um, is yeah. uh, is one of the characteristics of the disease. So children under twelve just have to be registered as entrants, uh, and also the test after the event. So uh, there's no way of making that compulsory, obviously, because you've already gone home. Yeah. So yeah, yeah and some and lots yeah. of people just don't bother with it, which makes the whole exercise a lot less reliable as well.
1: Indeed. Yeah, I I understand that the government wants to open up society a little bit. I just don't understand why they need to. Um, uh, organise these mass events, then, uh, opening up the terraces, for example, seems to me, uh, uh, uh much more, um, manageable than, than having these events with 100,000 people or 10,000 people What is what is it, in the stadium? I think up to 10,000,
0: uh, yeah, well so far I th- yeah. they haven't only 10,000 events yet but they, they've had, I think, 5,000 um, at one of the football internationals a couple of weeks yeah. ago and Ajax are going to have 7,500 um, next Sunday when they play Arzette, uh in the Amsterdam Arena and of course then it's not, I mean uh, spreading the disease in the open air is much much lower risk, but of course, in a football stadium, you have to go through a corridor and uh, yeah uh, you know, go go through an entrance turnstile and there are lots of play- and of course, uh, there are toilets and places to buy food and lots of indoor spaces where you are at risk of spreading the virus.
1: So. Exactly, and these people probably travel by public transportation a lot, exactly. and yeah, yeah, yeah. so um, yeah. the side effects are probably much worse than yeah. uh, the actual sitting yeah. in your seat yeah. at the actual game.
0: Yeah, I tell you why if I'm mad about the whole thing is that there's actually a precedent for doing this differently and uh, for not opening the cafe terraces, and it's what we did last year, exactly a year ago. You know, you had cafe owners saying, please open the terraces for, I think then it was the Pinkster weekend, so the the, the, Whitson weekend. And Fred Copperhouse said very clearly, no, even though infections were much lower than they are right now. Okay, we were testing less, so we maybe had more infections we didn't know about, but the uh, the infections were going down quite fast. Um, We had a much lower positive test rate as well. So it was a much safer situation, yet the government was saying, no, we're going to wait until we've actually got the infections down to a much lower level, a much lower risk, and they did it. And in June and July we had very low levels of infection because we kept the lockdown on for yeah. another another month. And yeah. we, the fact that we we're just ignoring the success of those days and going down a completely different and much more dangerous road is something I can't get my head around. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. yeah. And on top of that, of uh, all the concerns about... We're not uh, done yet? No. <laughs> There's more? <laughs> Another one? <laughs> <laughs> on top of all the concerns about um, spreading the disease, there are also serious questions being asked about the funding of these events, so, which is a public-private partnership that's run by a non-profit organization called Open Nederland. Uh, investigative website Follow the Money, who are very good and worth subscribing to, have looked into this, and they looked at the financial construction that's used the events and said it was unusual, unsupervised, and lacked transparency. Uh, basically, the organisation was given a budget of 925 million to run these events, and they basically just got given a lump sum and uh, the freedom to spend it as they as they pleased. There are very few checks; so there aren't really any way of um, uh, the ministry scrutinising it or Parliament scrutinising it. Um, and uh, yeah, on Wednesday. I mean, th- the,
1: the government, the government should have just given me these nine hundred twenty-five <laughs> million euros, no, and I would have me. guaranteed that there would be no extra uh, infections uh, based on this money. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah.
0: And and you, you could have gone holiday to Greece as well. I, I could have uh, bought uh, you had Greece. You've had a, whole, I think. Yeah, you had a whole, <laughs> whole resort to yourself <laughs> with, with no danger of spreading the disease to anybody. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah you just it's, bought it's your
1: it's own much island. Much safer. Mu- much saver spending of this nine hundred twenty-five million euros. Exactly. You know? I'm
0: on board with this. So, so, so lots of questions raised in Parliament uh, about the about the funding of these events, so also the fact that um, the the testing itself was organised by one company um, that wasn't put out yeah. to public tender, which is how these things should usually go. Health Minister Hugo de Jonge said um, uh, first of all um, that the, the, they chose to do it this way because of the, the need for uh, for, for, for speed to to get these events set up quickly, and if they put things out to tender, the whole process would have taken longer. Uh, and he also let's slip that, by the way the budget now is not 925 million it's 1.1 billion euros are being oh spent God. on yeah letting people into football stadiums and uh, yeah uh, and, 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 and music festivals and since when does Hugo de Jonge believe in the need for speed indeed yes, yeah. yeah, so it's, it's nice they finally decided to get something done quickly Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So but, in, but in, but the in contrast thing. to the Corona <laughs> app or anything else. <laughs> yeah. um, so 20 private testing companies now have uh, started legal action. They've they, they, they brought an injunction proceedings against Open Nederland. Uh, they accused it of uh, unfair competitive practices. And of course, all this is all uh, for events that are going to last uh, about five months. And at the end of it, they're going to be completely redundant if, uh, as is planned, the vaccination program brings down infections to a safe level by August. Although, now that we're having these events, uh, the chances of that happening are considerably lower.
1: Yes. Can can we please move on? Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm done. I'm quite happy to move on. I'm done.
1: Yeah, it was a slow news week um, in The Hague, and the formation is currently sort of on hold, but that doesn't mean nothing happened in The Hague. Fresh Dase's Assessor MP Sidney Smates resigned on Thursday after claims of sexually inappropriate behavior were made against him. A number of young men came out this week on Twitter and in newspapers saying that Smates, who is 45, approached them on Twitter, Facebook, and gay dating app Grindr with unwanted sexual advances. In some cases, the young men were under the age of 18 at the time. It was also said some of the men had made reports about Smaid's behavior to the day's assessor confident person, um... Yeah, we we had a little bit of debate about how to translate this in Dutch. It's a it's a vertrouwenspersoon, so yeah. when you go to, if you have some grave concerns about something, yeah, it's a person your
0: work that you that you can speak to in confidence uh, about worries you have, uh, often about other colleagues and their behaviour, um, or, the, or or your boss, and uh, or,
1: or some personal problems, something personal, like well, that.
0: Exactly. Yeah, sometimes you've got personal problems in your own life that you don't want to um, yeah uh, share in a professional capacity, but um, it's the person you can yeah. Um, and um, maybe take them on board, and uh, uh, and, and then sort out. Maybe you work fewer hours or whatever. Yeah.
1: And also, if you report something, then this person is, uh, you know, meant to uh, uh, to do something about it. But yeah. this was uh, this was the problem. Um, uh, nothing happened uh, even after these people uh, reported Smets' uh, uh, actions to this person. Yeah. Um, they um, uh, contacted the vertrouwenspersoon after it was announced that Smets was the number eighteen on the party's candidate list for the general election of March 17. Uh, and that guaranteed him a seat in parliament. But nothing. Uh, uh, but there were no results. And after Smates was installed, the man felt that he had to uh, go public with their stories. And on Wednesday, Deise announced uh, an internal inquiry into Smates, who had worked as a criminal defense lawyer before he took a seat in the Tweede Kamer. Uh, in an initial statement, Smates said he was shocked by the allegations. He said, several people have stated they have experienced contact with me as undesirable. This was never my intention. And he also added that he never crossed any legal lines.
0: Yeah, that was kind of a uh, thing a lot of people picked up on, wasn't it? He said, uh, oh, I acted within the law. And of course, the counter argument to that was, well, that, that, yeah, because he knew exactly what the legal limits were. And you, you went right up to the limits, but not beyond them.
1: Exactly. And there are also something called moral laws, which yes. are not uh, written down in um, uh, in laws. Yeah. Uh, 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 so yeah, he definitely crossed those um and on Thursday it was announced that Smates will resign as an m p and he will return his seat to the dais Assessor party
0: so I so say so he's not joining forum for democracy then
1: <laughs> well no that <laughs> wow um I would have been shocked <laughs> if that happened um, uh, 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 yeah sidney Smith he is um uh, he, he was a quite a well known figure on on twitter before he uh, he was uh, yeah before he became a member of parliament um, and he was uh, yeah basically uh, 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 LGBTQ uh, activist uh, anti-racism yeah. activist as well um, so yeah he was basically the um, complete opposite of uh, Forum for Democracy yeah. but <laughs> I, I I would have I would have uh, enjoyed the <laughs> the <laughs> scenario where he would step down keep his seat and then join the Forum for democracy party i uh yeah that's uh that's a great scenario yeah. but unfortunately it will not happen he's not,
0: he's not quite that shameless yeah no uh, but, yeah. no, no not I, that. I have to say i mean Zester and uh, the pvf are arch enemies uh, but um hasn't said much about this affair has he
1: no no, no i wonder no. why that would be yeah, why would that why would be? That of be? course, uh, yeah. because uh, uh, he has a man in his faction who also uh, is accused of some terrible stuff. Yeah. Uh, but Geert has decided to support him um, Yeah, regardless. And uh, Dion Graus, even though he is accused of um, paying his private security uh, uh, by uh, allowing them to have sex with uh, uh, his wife, even though she uh, didn't consent to that, um, he still remains an MP, and it also raises the question: Should we organize a mechanism that uh, uh, so that MPs can be kicked out of Parliament if they are, um, you know, morally questionable uh, behaviour? Yeah,
0: or for the very least, that you know, there should be a code of conduct. I mean, is there a code of conduct for MPs at the moment? There surely is. I think there is, but yeah. it is it not. It, maybe it is, doesn't it cover it, these these issues.
1: No, no, no. And, um, there's not something called parliamentary immunity. So, uh, if these allegations are criminal, then, uh, someone could still be, uh, charged with, uh, uh, uh with this. Um, and I think, uh, the, um, uh, public prosecutor is still in the process of determining if there is enough evidence to, uh, to bring, uh, uh Dion Graus to court. Um, but nonetheless, uh, uh, if these accusations are made and they are very reliable, then I think we should uh, have something that uh, uh, to make sure that these people can be kicked out of parliament. Unfortunately, we don't have that
0: yet. Yeah, this seems to be a recurring problem within the Days Social Party as well, doesn't it? Because they had a Me Too um, uh, investigation uh, in the autumn. Yeah, the-
1: yeah. It was one of the uh, top advisers of uh, Sigrid Kaag, and I think he also advised uh, several other previous leaders. And uh, there were some serious allegations made against him as well, but he uh, uh, is still allowed to uh, to uh, to um, uh, to stay and to uh, to advise uh, these leaders. And um, I think after that scandal. Uh, says they had no choice uh to uh to let uh uh Sydney Smiths uh go. He is basically a backbencher and he has been active for the party, I think. Uh, only recently mm. uh so yeah they uh, um um they, they just decided to let him go but indeed there was uh, this danger of him uh stealing his seat because you know he uh, has this constitutional right to his uh, to his own seat yeah. it doesn't belong to the party it belongs to him um but he decided uh against that and now uh he's no longer an mp and he was um he had been MP for 15 days, and I've been trying to look up if that is a record somehow, but I can't really find it.
0: Yeah, it, it must well, it, it must be very close to being a record anyway.
1: Yeah. The contrast could not have been greater. While only two weeks ago the Binnenhof was the scene of the toughest times Prime Minister Mark Rutte had ever had and there was a real danger he was going to have to resign after confidential formation negotiation notes about CDA P Pieter Omtzigt were accidentally leaked by Verkenner Keisha Allonge and Rutte had to fight for his political life in a 13-hour debate that ran well into the night. But this week it was all peace and quietness at the Binnenhof. Herman Cenk Willink, the 79-year-old Binnenhof veteran, was called in to restore order at the bin-off and that is exactly what he did. The previous week he restarted the formation process and talked to all 17 elected party leaders, and this week he ignored politicians altogether and talked to experts in the field. Cenk Willink had said he wants to take a different approach to the formation, and he wants to identify the key issues first with the help of non-partisan experts before consulting the party leaders. The Cenk, as he is called, talked to Marietta Hamer, the chair of the Social Economic Council, which represents employers, employees and independent experts. Hamer talked about the economic impact of the corona pandemic on jobs and called for more support for people who are struggling to find work, including freelancers and people with a disability. Kim Putters, that's the head of the socio-economic planning agency, SCP, was also invited to come to The Hague. And he told Cenk Willink that the new cabinet should prioritize restoring trust in politics after the child benefit scandal, which prompted the resignation of the last cabinet. And this was also the message of National Ombudsman Rainier van Zutphen, who met with Cenk Willink on Wednesday. The three W's, Finance Minister Wopke Hoekstra, Social Affairs Minister Wouter Kolmees and Economic Affairs Minister Bas van het Wout, met with Cenk Willink on Thursday. They told him that the cabinet is not working on a big recovery plan, even though that is exactly what the other experts wanted. The three ministers said this plan should be the topic of the formation negotiations, and it is yet unknown when Cenk Willink will resume talks with
0: the political leaders. Yeah, but he's got a deadline of, uh, I think, is April 23rd? Uh, three weeks basically to uh, produce his report
1: yeah so uh i i assume that next week he will uh, resume talking with uh, with the other leaders
0: yeah and after all this and after the resignation of i think two sets of um Fagenas, uh and the whole um uproar around uh peter omtzigt uh, and of course the child benefit scandal that brought down the cabinet it seems inevitable that mark is going to become prime minister again
1: Yes, and that becomes clearer by the day. Uh, Yeah, two weeks ago, we all thought that this was going to be the end of Mark Rutte, but it seems that everything has changed now. Uh, Almost all parties uh, said back then that a new coalition with Mark Rutte as prime minister was undesirable, but it became immediately clear that the VVD is not willing to drop Rutte as their leader. And since forming a coalition without the VVD is almost impossible, the parties are forced to come around and accept uh, Rutte as a uh, potential new prime minister. Mm. Uh, and this is most clear with uh, Sester and Cédia, who are expected before the Kenners Gates to form a motor block of 73 seats with the VVD party. Uh, and uh, yeah, again, this is this is the case, right? We all assume that these three parties will yeah. will join a coalition, and then it basically means we need another fourth coalition partner to uh, to to go over this majority threshold. Yeah, which is not going to be the Christian
0: um, Nuni, probably. No, so they have to find no. somebody else.
1: Yeah, the, 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 the most likely candidates to become the fourth partner was the Christian Uni, But, you know, they are the only ones that have especially ruled out joining a coalition with Mark again. So now I think uh, the most likely candidates are PVDA and uh, GroenLinks. Uh, and so, yeah, basically that means that we're back on where we were on March 18th. So a lot of things happened uh, in the past month, but in the end, we are still at the same starting point
0: yeah no, there's a lot of drama but um nothing really changed except
1: that uh, probably the negotiation position of the other parties uh the other parties then the favorite day have improved a little bit but that's uh, the only thing that changed yeah
0: but not entirely because one of the um the trump cards they tried to play was uh, they wanted to remove what as uh, a fair, fair days as a party leader or was uh, in, in any case as their candidate for prime minister and now they they have no alternative.
1: That's right, but they can always um, uh, still say, uh, we really don't want to uh, join a coalition with Mark Rutte. So you're gonna have to bring something very good to the table before we will, you know, formally agree to uh, to to join a coalition. Uh, so I think they they have a better negotiation position, but maybe that is uh, counterbalanced with the fact that uh, they they failed in their attempt to get rid of Mark Rutte.
0: And uh, we just mentioned the uh, Papierdank links, and, and uh, there's been talk in those two parties that maybe they should merge as well, right?
1: Yeah, and that's something that had been suggested for years, that GroenLinks and PvdA should merge. But this call has become louder after the last uh, election, and the poor results by the left-wing parties altogether. PvdA won a disappointing nine seats, and that's the same number as they did in 2017, when the party lost almost uh, three-quarters of their votes. Uh, And even though it was expected that Labour would gain at least a couple of seats more, uh, if you looked at the polls in the days before the election, GroenLinks lost six seats this year, compared to the record win of 14 seats in 2017. 2017 and now has eight seats in the Tweede Kamer Uh, and also um, the SP uh, went down from uh, 14 seats to nine so yeah it was uh, it was a very bad day for the left
0: wing uh, parties and in fact Uh, I mean the the Partij van de Dieren which is uh, sort of class as a radical left party I mean they have six seats they've almost caught the Labour well they're very close to catching the Labour Party now.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's amazing if you uh, if you look at that. Yeah, indeed. Um, so yeah, members of both parties, uh, GroenLinks and uh, uh, PvdA's party, have now started a petition called Rood-Groene Toekomst, uh, Red-Green uh, Future. Uh, and the initiators say that GroenLinks and PvdA share a similar ideology and have grown towards each other in recent years. They also say a fusion of the two parties will result in a large left-wing and progressive bloc that can match the largest uh, four parties in the Tweede Kamer. And the petition also calls on the two parties to hold on to each other in the formation and keep the promise not to join a coalition without one another. The petition is signed by a number of prominent party members on both sides, for example by André van Es, who I don't know, but apparently is a uh, prominent GroenLinks member, and former Labour leader and Amsterdam mayor Job Cohen, who is... uh uh, of the PvdA.
0: One of the things uh, that uh, leaked out in Alonken's um, on report that got overlooked in the whole Peter Omsicht uh, de- debacle uh, was that Rutte had said because um, GroenLinks and Labour are determined to stick together, or if they were determined to stick together that he actually favoured uh, bringing the SP into the coalition which yeah. would be an interesting yeah. development.
1: Yeah, and he uh, he has played with that uh, notion in the in the campaign before. I assumed that it was to um, to annoy GroenLinks <laughs> probably that's uh, that, that's true in the campaign he he started to talk about uh joining a coalition with SP and uh yeah, that seems very unlikely, and I also think that Lilian Marin uh, also thinks that's very unlikely. But um,
0: well, given that I mean the SP was the party that uh, was uh, speaking up for the victims of the Tuslachen affair and was hugely critical of the Ritter doctrine and the whole way that Ritter does business, that would really uh, uh, overturn the odds, I think, if, uh, the, if Ritter suddenly turned around and uh, invited the SP into his uh, into his team.
1: Indeed, and on the other hand, it would also be a very radical idea, and um, the SP could finally do something about the Ruther Doctrine and really be there for the, for the, for the victims of the child benefit scandal. So uh, uh, even though it's very unlikely, mm. I think it would be a very bold idea. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I would be interested to see if that uh, would actually happen. But yeah. I don't think so.
0: No, me neither. But we will see. If you're keen to know what super-spreading events are taking part in your local area or you enjoy our weekly digest of the week's news why not help us keep you up to date by becoming a Patreon sponsor? We'll show our appreciation for your support by giving you a shout-out on the next podcast and attempt to answer your questions about life in the Netherlands. As we don't have any new patrons this week, we'd just like to take this moment to thank everyone who's backed us throughout the pandemic, despite the turbulence and uncertainty that it's brought with it, You can join our select band of socially distancing patrons by logging on to www.patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash dutchnewsnl. Tape recordings of one of the men on trial for bringing down Malaysian Airlines flight MH17 have emerged, in which he discusses obtaining and transporting a book missile round about the time the plane was brought down. Sergei Dubinsky is one of four men said to have held key positions in the Russian-backed separatist republic in eastern Ukraine, where the missile was fired from. All 298 passengers on board the aircraft died when it was shot out of the sky on July seventeenth, two 2014, over the war-torn region. The tapes were broadcast by TV news show NewsHear, and featured Dubinsky talking about taking delivery of a book missile to fire at Ukrainian combat aircraft. Quote, the book is expected tonight, he says at one point. After that, all our problems should be solved. In a recording from July the 17th, that was the day of, that the plane came down, Dubinsky takes a call from a man accompanying the book missile, codenamed Biblioteka, who says, Nikolaevich, where do I deliver this beauty? The tapes also feature two of the other defendants, Leonid Kachenko and Oleg Pulatov. Karchenko is heard calling for support for his battalion, who are being attacked by Ukrainian snipers. They are shooting us down like dogs, he says. Bulatov, who is Dubinsky's deputy in the field, has a conversation with his boss about a counter offensive. Dubinsky offers to send him three tanks, but Bulatov says they're defenseless against the Ukrainian airstrikes. What we do need is long distance artillery and good anti aircraft material, he says, because the aircraft has operated from great heights, so practically none of our systems could reach it. So there he is asking for some kind of missile that you can fire yeah. up to a very high level, and of course the passenger plane flew much higher than the fighter aircraft. Yeah. The recordings also suggest Dubinsky was unaware that his book missile had struck a passenger plane until several hours afterwards, but the Dutch Public Prosecution Service said this week that that makes no difference to the case against him.
1: Yes, and uh, how is the case progressing?
0: Well, the four defendants, who are Dubinsky, Pulatov, Karchenko and Igor Gerkin, are all charged with causing the Malaysian Airlines plane to crash and the murder of all 298 people on board. This week, a lawyer told the court that 290 relatives and partners of the victims had filed compensation claims against the defendants for emotional distress. Arletta Schainz said that while no compensation could offset the loss suffered by the relatives, it would represent recognition for moral damage and offer a sense of justice. Schainz said the level of compensations claimed ranged from 40000 to €50,000, depending on the claimant's relationship with the victim many relatives are ineligible for compensation under civil law because of the stricter rules for example siblings can only claim if they're actually living together with the victim at the time
1: yeah and um, our um, former podcast host Molly Quell uh, she is following the the court case and uh, if you want to know more about it you can uh, follow her on twitter she uh, posts um, long threads about everything that happens in the in the court
0: yeah and uh, and summaries for uh, yeah, for News, house news she works for so yeah, yeah worth worth a follow
1: a stolen set of Pokemon cards worth tens of thousands of euros has surfaced in Paris and has been traded on the French market, according to new police information shared in Wednesday's edition of Crimebuster program Opsporing Verzocht. The cards, said to be worth 1,000 euros each, were stolen in December from a collector in Compen who had offered them up for sale. Two potential buyers, one of whom said he was Michael Blessings from Almere, pretended to pay for the cards by phone, but then locked the man in a cupboard and took off with his cards in a Black Audi A3. Did, did he Police lock him are- in, a,
0: in a bookcase? Was this a kind of who for uh, <laughs> the court, uh, scenario? <laughs>
1: uh, I, know, um, I know someone who uh, also has a collection of Pokemon cards oh. and he keeps it in a bookcase. So and He doesn't live in Kampa otherwise this would have been a, a <laughs> realistic scenario. Yeah. Police are calling on people who recognize the con trick and the WhatsApp profile photo of Michael Blessings which is not his real name. Mm. Uh, Pokemon enthusiasts have since taught police that the cards were sold in Paris at the beginning of this year and are still in circulation. The Pokémon collectors had been told earlier to make it known which cards had been stolen, so traders know they have to uh, steer clear global market pokemon cards are often the target for thieves with very rare ones trading for tens of thousands of euros in tokyo for example earlier this year a man reportedly scaled down the outside of a tower block in an attempt to steal cards and cash and in january 80 game and comic stores in britain had to cancel pokemon cards events to launch a new expansion pack after the entire stock of pre-release cards were stolen in transit wow so, yeah, if I knew that uh, these Pokemon cards were going to uh, be worth so much money, I would have uh, would have saved all mine. I know, yeah.
0: Just, what did you do with your Pokemon cards? I, I don't know. Probably just gave I, them away. Uh, or I think swap so.
1: them. I just completely forget. <laughs> or I think I, I, I put them away somewhere and my parents just threw them out at yeah. some point. I don't know. But um, oh, maybe I should just uh, take a look at the attic. Yeah,
0: uh, maybe they're stashed away in the box somewhere or in a bookcase.
1: Yeah, or maybe uh, Michael Blessings already uh, did that for me and uh, stole it before I knew <laughs> it was like, there.
0: Yeah, the mysterious Michael Blessings. Yeah, or maybe they could organise some kind of mass Pokemon trading event, you know, as, as part of the field labs experiment.
1: <laughs> and <then> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then lurch him to uh, towards that event. Yeah. and then
0: uh, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. offer a free vaccine with every Pokemon card. That's all we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at DutchNews.nl. We'll include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes, and you can get in touch with us by email to podcast at DutchNews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating, and you can also back us on Patreon at patreoncom DutchNewsNL and earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast. My thanks to Bell Peters, I'm Gordon Darich, and we'll be back next week you